This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations with people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained, and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann, back in Sawyer's Bay, and I am joined by Mawera Karatai. Kia ora, Mawera. Hi, Sam. How's it going? It's going very well indeed. Back from Auckland watching the sailing. That's exciting. I thought you were working. I was working. <laughs> I had a meeting that I had a meeting that somebody else paid for on the Wednesday and then I was looking to see what swimming events were on and it said that the swimming event may be postponed due to America's cup racing. So I thought there's the opportunity so I changed my flights to stay and then I ran around like a crazy thing meeting students all over Auckland and watched the sailing. And I can ice cream on the top of a hill. I can highly recommend watching the sailing. Who are we introducing today? Today it is my great pleasure to introduce um, Birgit Pentenstadler, who I may have messed up her entire name, and I apologise if I have. Um, Good. is the Assistant Professor at Chalmers University and um, at the Lappanranta University of Technology in Finland. And Finnish is a very difficult language to pronounce when you're a Kiwi, I have to say. Um, and she's um, she her research work focuses on neuroplasticity practices. And um, this was new language for me today. I'm really excited to hear about that. And welcome. Thanks for sharing with us today. Thank you so much for having me. Welcome <laughs> back. Finnish is excellent, I must say. Thank you. <laughs> Welcome back, Birgit. When we talked to you last time, you were in LA, trapped in Southern California at the start of the pandemic. Where are you now? Yes, right now I'm in Göteborg, Sweden. You know, we're still kind of trapped, but <laughs> you just got to roll with it. <laughs> you just got to ride the waves. <laughs> so when did you move? Um, I moved at the end of July. I actually flew to Germany because my little brother got married and that was higher on the list than having to quarantine for another two weeks. I was like, all right, I'm eating that one. <laughs> so you did quarantine? Yes, I did. And took tests in LA and in Germany, did all the things. <laughs> How was the wedding? It was beautiful. It was really beautiful. We celebrated in our garden outdoors with just like the closest family. And um, it was very enjoyable. I'm really happy that I was able to attend. And did you take the opportunity to hang around in, in Germany at home a bit? 
Yes, yes, I did stay for a month and spent some summertime there, spent some time with my parents. I mean, if you already go through the two weeks of quarantine, then you might as well make the best of it. <laughs> and then after that, straight up to Sweden? Yes, after that, I made my way back to Sweden here, dusted six months worth of whatever off my apartment, <laughs> cleaned everything. <laughs> and since then, I've been here. <laughs> it's been very interesting because I, I love my little apartment. It's a studio apartment and I call it my fishbowl because it has a big south facing window, which is necessary because in winter we don't get that much sun anyways. So you're grateful for every little bit of light that you get. <laughs> We've just gone today past with the winter solstice. <laughs> I, was, I was going to say it's the, yeah. it's the shortest day. Yes, exactly. So after not seeing the sun for about five days, today she actually came and swung by for about half an hour. And I went outside for a run because that's what you do in the winter in Sweden. Like as soon as you see a single ray of sunlight, you drop whatever you're doing <laughs> and you get the hell out of your house. <laughs> Is it snowy? Not here. I've seen snowflakes once, but they never touched the ground. So because Göteborg is right at the coast, it's not that likely that the snow actually stays on the ground. People keep telling me that it's really pretty here when the snow stays on the ground, but it's my second winter here and so far it hasn't happened. I'm beginning to think they're just fooling me. <laughs> <laughs> so you're just getting kind of gray instead. Yes, indeed. It's, it's a lovely shade of gray, I must say, <laughs> for most of the time. <laughs> However, I found out last weekend or like the past few weekends, I, I took a um, self-experiment upon me to understand how the Swedes survive the winter. And I think one of the keys is you just go to the ocean, you put on your bathing suit, you pretend it's summer and you jump in anyways. <laughs> so I've done a little bit of that. <laughs> it is very refreshing. It's apparently good for the immune system. I didn't get sick afterwards and I feel super healthy. So I think there is something to it. It does take a bit of courage to get in there. <laughs> so is it a, a, a get in and get your head wet and get out again? Or do you actually do some strokes while you're there? There are people who do strokes. I'm not that advanced yet. Well, I did swim in like a baby circle, but I never made it further than three meters away from the ladder because I was afraid I would freeze to death before I get out in case I got too cold. <laughs> <laughs> and and was that like running, was it running from a, a sauna or did they not do that there? No, so that's my favorite way, going in after the sauna. But um, a few weeks ago with the lockdown, they closed the public saunas. And so now there is only a cold ocean without a sauna. And <laughs> I was actually pretty proud of myself last weekend. I did stay for a full three minutes, which is very close to eternity, unless you've trained that for a decade. <laughs> Let's take the first of your music choices. Let's have Jose Feliciano, Feliz Navidad. Why this one? It's my favorite Christmas song. It has been since ever since I can remember. My parents have the old vinyl um, at home. I think it still works. Uh, I I make them pull it out every Christmas when I'm home. <laughs> <laughs> it's just my favorite Christmas song. It has always been, even since before I spoke Spanish. <laughs> hey, hey. 
Feliz Navidad Feliz Navidad Feliz Navidad Prospero año y felicidad Feliz Navidad Feliz Navidad Feliz Navidad Prospero año y felicidad in Southern California you were doing adventure walks around the suburbs yoga in the garden I guess that's not happening so I do have a little park around the corner here um, and I have actually done yoga outside in September and October I've also still done yoga outside on my balcony that's how desperate I am to catch every ray of sunlight <laughs> that I can get here <laughs> that's the truth of it <laughs> as of November I have I think November was my last yoga practice outside in the park. <laughs> After that, I took it indoors. But we've been still, we've been slacklining outside. So that's been good. Not barefoot, though. And so you're back in at Chalmers University. Are you, is the teaching online? Yes, everything's online. Mm-hmm. Also, um, we're working from home. There's also no going to the office. So you could be anywhere. I could be anywhere. If only you could get there. 
and could get back. <laughs> well, why would I get back then? <laughs> <laughs> How's the teaching online going? Um, it's been going fairly well. I honestly, I haven't done much of that lately. I am I'm not teaching right now. I, I will again in spring. So for me, that's been fairly easy. I'm, I, I just have the average Zoom fatigue like everybody else. But I recently learned why that is. And from what I understood in the research, it's when you sit in a physical meeting room, you usually have to look around to see all the faces. Whereas now on a screen, you have them all crammed into this little display <laughs> and you can look at everybody all at once. And you also have the feeling that everybody's staring at you all the time <laughs> without you getting a break. <laughs> and that's why we perceive that as stressful over time. I do find it helps sometimes to cover your own picture up because then you can ignore the fact that other people are looking at you. Yes, I've definitely um, cherished the moment I uncovered that I can hide the self-view. That's been helpful. <laughs> <laughs> and you haven't been just doing that because I saw you organised a, a breathing summit. Yes, I, uh, um, I organized an, an online event. I interviewed 14 meditation and breathwork teachers and people who work with hypnotherapy, with shamanism, with all sorts of interesting things and um, put that online. And then I did some proper qualitative data analysis on that afterwards and published, well, not published, I, I submitted a, a paper on intuitive decision making. And I'm really curious what... Um, the research community is going to think of that because I felt like I'm leaning pretty far out of the window. But it's certainly been interesting to just dive into with all the rational thoughts about decision making that we have. How can we juxtapose that with what we have kind of pushed into the background, which is relying on our gut feeling and how do I even connect to my intuition now that we spend so much time absorbed in technology? So how can we get back to that inner sense of knowing that we know is pretty spot on because it it kind of hits us on the back of the head every time we ignore it. <laughs> I'm doing yeah. some work in that space at the moment as well, and and but mine is coming from the imagination perspective. So what happens when our imagination becomes limited and how mm -hmm. does that impact on our ability to make real choice, to empathise, um, to uh, to choice is a myth so many people because life happens to them and and the, you know, i see the reduction in imagination as being the biggest contributor to that i could see that that is fascinating and i i guess that um is also propagated by us spending so much time on technology where we have like while we have a lot of choices the story, the choices are still already given as opposed to us exactly creating right. Mm. Yeah, and then we take our children and we put them in front of a device where they're in someone else's imagination, and from that imagination space, they um, every choice they make is predetermined, and the outcome of every choice is also predetermined. So they actually have got no choice making in the entire process. It's it just reinforces the myth, and mm -hmm. um, and and I'm concerned about that. So that's what I'm writing about for my doctorate work. That's deeply concerning. Yes, that is concerning and that's highly fascinating. I'm glad you're doing that work. Thank you. I'm <laughs> glad you're doing that work. <laughs> Thank you. Did you get any surprises from those 14 people? 
no deep surprises, but a lot of very good reminders. So most of them are absolutely convinced that you can feel truth in your body. Like, you know, when it lands right. And it is that inner knowing that we just need to practice and get back to. Because a lot of the time we just um, gloss over it. Either we are too stimulated by caffeine and sugar to even notice when there is a physical reaction in our body, or our mind jumps in right that second and tells us why that cannot be the truth. <laughs> so it's, it's really about stepping back and finding that little pause in between um, actually noticing that pause and then staying with the initial reaction as opposed to letting the mind rationalize and then making up a different narrative. So what being comfortable with that first feeling, even, even though you know you haven't thought it through, that's okay. Mm -hmm. Yes, there does need to be some discernment. So when we stick with that first gut feeling, if it's a positive one, then you notice how there is this opening sensation in your body when something just feels light, when something feels like there's been a weight lifted off your shoulders, your heart feels bright. Um, and you can very easily tune into that when you, when you close your eyes, get still for a moment, take a few deep breaths, and then ask yourself, body, what does yes feel like? And you'll notice that in your body doing that a few times. And then you go the opposite route and you just ask, what, what does no feel like? And, and then you notice what those particular sensations are for your body because they're slightly different for everybody. So for me, a no goes into constriction, goes into tension, it goes darker. Um, and that discernment is really helpful to make. And then there's one caveat, which is we have a negativity bias because of evolution, because we survived, we didn't get eaten. Um, and that means we are primed for survival fear. Now, stress triggers survival mechanisms, which means if we're constantly under stress and our body triggers that response, then we can think, oh, fear response, that means the answer is no. Yet, we also get triggered into that fear response when we just have to step up and grow. So when we have the opportunity for growth, then there can still be a little fear response in the body. And that's where we have to kind of fine tune into it and say, okay, is it, is it scary because it's bad or is it a little scary? Cause I actually have to step up and be courageous and do the thing that's going to help me grow. In this show, we've been describing it as positive, but not deluded. And I think that that's that discernment you're talking about, that it, it, it's not about just putting the blinkers on and being la-la, but it is about recognizing the positive aspects. Yes, I would say that definitely has to do with it. Bubble Sprite of the Forest of Orokadui, Dunedin's favorite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie. Kia ora koutou, nga mihi aroha nui, kia koutou ko tāuahau. I hope you're all having the best day, beautiful superstars, and your beloved is it. And I really hope that wherever you are, it's happening around this journey, we're all on together. It's proving to be very rewarding, very sustaining, and illuminating for you more each day. Who you are, a of nature's art, perfect, unique, and here, mahita. 
Thank you. So as we all know, we are here co-evolving alongside all life to which we are related in Infinite Web. And I just saw a wonderful article today saying that some of our lovely ancestors hibernate during the winter, which of course we can all understand. And many of our more distant relations, of course, still hibernate. But today it's been a really interesting day here in Autiporti, Sun Eden. It's been very cold. And we've been surrounded by a big cloud all day, been in this big giant cloud. And for me, I've been very happy about this because it's been so peaceful and soothing to be surrounded by the cloud. But for everybody, it's brought about different reactions. And I've done lots and lots of practical jobs today and I've had lots of wonderful help and I'm so grateful. But it's been fascinating for me, of course, hearing everybody's reactions to being in a cloud all day. And for me, I quite like being in a cloud. I find it very refreshing. And as opposed to torrential rain, which can be refreshing for a short time, being in a cloud can be refreshing over several hours, if that's how you feel inclined. And of course, for beloved Waimari the eel, having all this fresh water coming into her pond will be bringing lots of new oxygen into her pond and reviving and I hope helping her to have a lot more energy and order Tinana to swim about, come and visit us and be fed as she was yesterday. It was very exciting. Wonderful to see her after some time and of course I'm so grateful to have my connections with these beautiful creatures of the waterways and as we know all water connects us to infinity and all life forms benefit from water and of course untold trillions of life forms have benefited from this water before us are benefiting from it now and will benefit from it in the future so it's lovely reconnecting with it there's also a certain gentleness and softness and stillness that comes to us when we're in a cloud of course it makes it hard to see and I was driving out to my heart's home Orokanoe Eco Sanctuary Day in this real misty mystery and I had my lights on and everybody was being very careful which was fantastic and driving very slowly and every so often the, the bright eyes of another car would appear through the misty mystery just inching their way up these wonderful wild hills and of course I felt very lucky to be right here right now in this great dance this great slow movement of all these different people throughout the day but I do really feel what a fantastic opportunity for us all when we are presented with this embrace and this enshrinement of our experience by the elemental world we are held in the loving arms of a cloud and we are compelled and impelled to to slow down and to soften our gaze soften our focus relax our grip and adapt and behave differently so I felt supremely grateful for this slight softening and reprieve today presented by this glorious cloud so I really hope for you whatever's happening around you you're finding opportunities to rest and tune in to all of the wonderful gifts presented to you and that you are presenting and i'll look forward to talking to you tomorrow thanks so much Kakiti. you're listening to blowing bubbles we're talking with birgit pidzen stadler read any of porch's polyvagal theory about the um polyvagal nervous system and and how that gives us that sensation and if, mm, have, has that been in, on your radar 
so um, I'm not sure I've exactly read that. Well, at, at least I haven't read it recently. The, the reference rings a bell, but I can't recall all the content right now. I'm very familiar with the vagus nerve, though, because <laughs> it's like it's the central nerve in, in our um, parasympathetic nervous system. And so there I have actually been working a lot with breathing techniques over the past one and a half years that specifically um, speak to that nerve, that kind of trigger that nerve and therefore trigger a relaxation response in the body. So I've been doing a lot of, of breath work specifically to get to that part of the autonomous nervous system and um, to help people relax and release tension, which we've all held a lot in our bodies in this year. <laughs> we've got a, a, a uh, psychologist here in Pakatani who's doing some work in the primary schools teaching the children to listen to that physical response in their body to their emotional reactions. Um, so whether it's the, the fight, the flight, the, the rest, relax, the, the freeze, and mm -hmm. teaching them to, to feel that response and base their reactions on that rather than just reacting and, and not be aware. So it's bringing that awareness to their body and then bringing the awareness to their breath. So that's been quite neat watching that uh, unfold in our primary schools and, and listening to the children talking about it. Beautiful. I love that. I love that. I was just listening to Andy Huberman uh, this morning, actually. He is a neuroscientist who's at Stanford. And, and he was saying how there is this super, super simple breathing technique, which is very close to what I use in breath work uh, with two inhales and one exhale. And he says that's the quickest way to get to your autonomous nervous system to get it to relax like it's way quicker than the vagus nerve and it's just a two-part inhale like and then exhale and what the two-part inhale does is it relaxes the lower lung sacs and thereby pulls more um, carbon dioxide out of the blood and balances the blood um, the the oxygenation of the blood better and he says you just do two or three of those breaths two inhale, one exhale, and you have an immediate response from the nervous system into more relaxation. And he says, we even do that unconsciously in our sleep. And he has watched his dog do it as well. Like it seems to be done automatically by nature, but we kind of have to relearn. <laughs> You're a computer scientist. So I'm they say. Do you think we're going to see this kind of insight working its way into interaction design or how we think about what we're doing on computers? If they keep me around, yeah. I'm just <laughs> waiting to get kicked out of a technical university for doing what I'm doing <laughs> right now. I submitted that paper on, um, on intuitive decision-making to uh, an HCI venue. <laughs> So we'll see. We'll see if it gets in or if I get slapped in the face by all reviewers, then it might not get into the field. But I've seen a lot of people from the neuroscience field get in there. So I'm taking it from a very different angle because I come out of the yogic tradition. So um, I have to be very careful about the terminology that I'm using, because as soon as I talk about spirituality, 70% of the potential audience are running for the hills. Yet, um, we have a lot of 
natural science now that proves the bioplasmic field is a thing. There is energy in between atoms and there is energy in between everything. And I mean, that's, that's, that's all it is. End of story. Like you don't have to believe in anything. No, we, we've got the prep. We, we've got the proven facts right here. It's all science by now. It's just that we have to be careful about the language that we're using because uh, people have strong connotations with some words over others. And then neuroscience comes in and helps me build a beautiful bridge in explaining to computer scientists why all of this makes sense and why certain things have certain effects. And so going that route, I'm actually pretty um, convinced that we we may find open ears, as we would say in German. <laughs> you wouldn't say it like that in German, you'd say it in German. I would probably say it in German if I was going to say it really in German. <laughs> ich würde auf offene Ohren stoßen. I would meet open ears. <laughs> so what are your plans for the Christmas holidays? Ooh, so I've been on online meetings for about 18 hours straight now. And I have one more to go. And then I'm going to turn off this phone. And I'm going to turn off my laptop and the internet. And I'm going to be offline for 13 days. And I'm going to be writing with pen and paper. And I'm going to spend some nature time. I'm going to do some deep thinking and meditating. And I thought, instead of getting frustrated about not being able to see this or that person or spend Christmas with my closest family, my loved ones, how can I just flip this around and turn this into an opportunity? And I've had so many friends who have been a little stressed by being so close with their loved ones for months on end that I thought, hmm, I think there might be a time in my life when I would wish for being able to just turn off all technology and do a solo meditation retreat. I have the opportunity right now. It's kind of laughing in my face. So why don't I take it? <laughs> <laughs> so it's one of those experiments where I, um, I get to do all the things that I've been working with. So it's kind of an autoethnography, if you will. <laughs> I'll be using the practices that I've been doing research about, um, and I'll be looking at what is the difference if I'm actually off the display. Because aside from stimulants in our food, for example, when we have a lot of caffeine or sugar, then it kind of takes our body sensitivity away. Another thing that takes that away is a lot of time in front of a display engaging with technology. It kind of takes us out of our bodies into our heads. And so I want to see the differences that that has over a few days. And then for me, writing with pen on paper helps better to structure thoughts anyways. You'll have to make sure you stay warm and fed because otherwise it'll turn into Scott's last journal, traipsing across the Antarctic. <laughs> well, they do have central heating here in Sweden and I got a lot of snuggly blankets. I think I'll be fine. And the supermarkets are still open. <laughs> Let's take the second of your music choices. All I want for Christmas is you. Why this one? Because you asked me for a second song. And I mean, the first one is really my all-time Christmas favorite. This one I do really like as well. I've always been a romantic at heart. Sometimes it has gotten me a bloody nose in my life, but I, I'm still a romantic at heart and I'll never give that up. And usually what I care for about 
uh, during Christmas is spending time with my loved ones and I, I don't need presents. So I'm all for love. That's actually my mission in the world. I am love and I want to embody love and I want to carry as much out into the world as I possibly can. I don't want a lot for Christmas. Love Actually last night 
we decided it is the the signal that it's actually we're actually in the the Christmas run is watching Love Actually. <laughs> Although they won't be um, one of the things that we do enjoy is seeing that how London does Christmas, and of course it's not happened this year. They tried, and then they closed all the shops. Are your shops open? Yes, they still are open. So there was one thing that I got myself for Christmas yesterday because I'm going to be switching off this phone. I thought to myself, oh, but what if something really beautiful crosses my path in nature and I won't even be able to take a picture? So I, I got myself one of the little click, click, click. <laughs> <laughs> We've seen lots of changes in society over the last few months. What do you think will stick and what do you hope will stick? Mm, what I hope will stick is a genuine appreciation for nature and that we get out to spend time there. We've seen people going hiking like crazy because all of a sudden a lot of other things weren't possible. So I feel that many have developed a new appreciation for that. And I think we will, in, genu uh, in general, value more when we get to be together, just after having been restricted for quite a while. Um, I hope that we will stay with less business travel. So um, while it is certainly a perk in academia to be able to travel every once in a while and go to different places, it has just become too much over the years. And so I think finding a healthy balance there is is going to be a good thing. On that Supporting valuing... local stores is another one. On that valuing nature, one of the things that's happened here is that because we can't get out of the country where we can, but then we can't get back, and there's no foreign tourists here, is that this is going to be the great Kiwi summer, that everybody is holidaying local. And I think it's done a, it's done wonders for our national identity. This this notion of we're in this together, we can have fun together. Are you getting a similar feeling there? Of I know you're not Swedish. You know, um, are you getting that feeling of the, the the people enjoying being in the place together? I have a bit of a hard time answering that one because I actually came back to Sweden at the end of summer. I came back here early September and um, by then summer was clearly over and, and people were already starting to retreat indoors. And Göteborg is a friendly city. So in general, I'm, I'm out there. I smile at people, they smile back. Um, I'm also one of those... Um, I, I don't know, one of those foreigners that didn't bother to learn the language in the first year. Um, to, to my defense, that is because I spent more than half of that first year outside of the country. And so that didn't help. Um, I think my tie-in with society would be better if I already spoke the language and then I would have a, a better answer for that question. Are they smiling at you because there's a crazy German-American lady smiling at them? smile in the mirror the mirror smiles back if they don't smile back at me 
they gotta have a pretty rough day and then I'll still keep smiling at them. I think that's most of what it comes down to. <laughs> Sometimes it could be because I'm wearing ridiculously colorful clothing compared to most people here. <laughs> what lessons do you think we can take from the pandemic and the pandemic response for the bigger sorts of questions that we face, the bigger challenges, things like climate change and social inequity? Hmm. First of all, I, some part of me still feels like we kind of got what we asked for in the sense of so many of us have been asking for, oh, I wish the world would slow down a bit. And then bam, it did big time. Um, I do hope that we find a way to make our societies more equitable. We see how much we're relying on what we now call uh, the frontline workers or um, a couple of other names they have. And they're doing such important jobs and they're putting their health on the line every single day. And um, we have in the past not necessarily thought very highly of the work that they're doing. And so just in general, showing more appreciation for that, I think that's going to go a long way. And that appreciation goes um, further down when we think of where our food actually comes from and the supply chains and all of that. So going back to simplifying that, relying more on local supplies, that should certainly be part of our future. And that would help us with reducing emissions and, and therefore also with the climate change problems, just as one of many on top of the reduced travel emissions in general. You said slow down a bit. Are you seeing this as an opportunity for a reset? And if so, what are you seeing at a reset to? Is it a reset back to? I'm, I'm assuming you're not going to say it's a reset back to a business as usual. But how are you seeing it? I think this year has been a boot camp for everybody in terms of you got to face whatever you did not want to deal with. And for some people that has um, for a while um, been... I'm going to try and distract myself um, with quarantinis uh, or with um, binging too much TV or a series or with doing whatever else. Um, it has kind of taken everything to the extreme that before maybe was already a little too much, but that we could ignore. So whether that is for one person, they already felt a little bit lonely, but, you know, they kind of got along with it um, because they distracted themselves with some things. Well, if you'd lived by yourself before and didn't have much social interaction, then this pandemic has taken it to the extreme and you really had to deal with what is underneath. Same for if you had a family where things weren't going well and now you had to spend this time together, then you had to figure it out one way or another, whether that meant, okay, we, we got to just define clear boundaries, how we can work with each other or whether that meant oh we actually resolved the underlying issue and now <laughs> and now we're good um with, whichever way that that took i think we've just learned a lot by having to really face ourselves there was a lot less distraction this year and once netflix became boring <laughs> we <laughs> we had to really deal with it and i think that has been good for all of us it's been tough on every single one of us and i don't want to underestimate the hardship of this year in any way and i think that we can really be grateful for for what we had as lessons and what we learned from those lessons, even though they may have been very unpleasant. 
And learning from that and facing ourselves, perhaps, what do you see as the role of hope? I think there is always a place for hope. Like I am a very optimistic person. I I look into the future bright-eyed and bushy-tailed because there is so much opportunity out there. And for me, that doesn't have to do anything with denying what's current reality. I think we can fully accept current reality and say, okay, this is where we're starting from and let's see where do we want to go. And then we put out the beautiful vision of what we really want in the world and move towards that as opposed to focusing on the parts that are wrong and by by putting kind of the wrong focus on it, kind of making it bigger by putting all the energy there. I have some questions to end the show. What is the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years? Now, I asked you these questions in, I'm going to say it was March. So I can't remember what you said. So you get another go at them. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I wish I could say I remember right now what I said. Honestly, I don't either. (laughs) Um, I don't have a single thing that I define as my biggest success. I would say that it's a continuous growth and evolution process and the love and dedication that I put into my practices every single day, the accumulation of those over time, those make the difference. And that's what I would call the overall success. So it has a lot to do with consistency and just wanting to put the love into it every day. So we're writing a book of these conversations. It's called Tomorrow's Heroes. It's our team of people doing good work. So you are in our team. What is the superpower that's got you into the mansion? I do remember that answer, (laughs) and that remains the same. It's holding space. Whatever rough times you're going through, I will sit next to you. I will just be there. I will not go away. Do you consider yourself to be an activist? Yes, I would say so. I'm not the type of activist that um, uses violence, but I'm definitely an activist in terms of speaking up for I think what matters and putting up boundaries for where I think they're necessary. And putting a message of love out there. So when I was saying earlier that um, I want us to focus on a beautiful vision of the future instead of amplifying our problems, I did not mean to say, oh, I'm not, I'm not going to look at where it doesn't look nice right now. But instead of saying, this is bad, this is bad, this is bad. I want to say, okay, what can we do to make it better? Let's focus on the better. Let's focus on the solution part. Where can we actually do something constructive and how? And what motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning? The force of life running through me. (laughs) (laughs) It's literally that simple. Like we wake up in the morning and it is so easy to fall prey to that last gnarly thought that went around your head before you went to sleep. So that is a deliberate effort of love every morning to say, I'm going to put good thoughts in my head because 
if I let default run the show, then guess what? The negativity bias comes back in. <laughs> and I'm going to start thinking about all the things that are wrong in my life and in everybody else's life and in the world in general. And I'm going to be miserable. And I put that out in the world and that gets reflected back to me and it gets amplified. Whereas instead, if I focus on the things that are going right, like, man, I can breathe. I have an able body. I got two arms and two legs. I can do cool things. I have two eyes I'm able to see. And um, let me do something with the gifts that I was given. And just a lot of excitement every day for what's possible in the world. So if we can train ourselves to see the opportunity as opposed to what's missing, I think we all win. So what challenge are you looking forward to in the next year or so? Or maybe what's the best opportunity you're looking forward to? Have every software engineer in the world start doing breathwork as a regular practice. <laughs> that would be lovely because, well, essentially the only the only excuse I have to tie my current research work still into computer science is to say, ooh, software is running the world. There is hardly any area of our life that does not require any software systems whatsoever. And that means software developers have a big responsibility because we involuntarily embed the values that we have into the systems that we design into any of our work and that means if software developers design the systems that move so much in all areas of our life then they better know what they're doing and then they better take good care of themselves <laughs> yeah even and if you the just rise that we've seen even if you just went for that care rise, aspect the, mm -hmm. I, th I think that there is traction to be had in the, the well-being and the psychological safety aspect. And then the benefit is that the values in, in everything that we do. Yes, absolutely. And we've seen a big rise of like mental and emotional health troubles this year and challenges. And so, um, yeah, we want to be proactive about those. And then you're right. The other part is then a consequence of that. And lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners? Mm. Go out into nature. If you're listening to this, maybe the best way to do that is put in your headphones and do that on a walk. <laughs> um, if that is the only time you're going to spend outdoors today and, and if you've already listened to it and this is at the very end, then yeah, go, go outside now. Just spend some time in nature, connect to what really matters. Take some deep breaths. And every time you get stressed, take some more deep breaths because that's the best thing we can do. And just connect to, to that little spark inside that gets you out of bed in the morning if you let it. Just place a hand on your heart. Feel that heartbeat. And one last deep breath. <sighs> Thank you very much for that. Moira. That has been amazing. Thank you. And um, before when you were talking about being love, I just feel like our world at the moment just needs that these big arms to wrap around and not just in a natural environment but all of us individually those arms to wrap around and say it's going to be okay that everything's going to work out how it does and you know do your best and um and i think that the way that 
we're developing our children and their imagination and their choice making and um, what we do now matters more than ever before and I love that you're doing that too that you're working in that space and and um, and that there's a collective of people who are trying to make that change and bring that awareness and and I see that as real love as well to be able to give people choices giving them love in a really profound way and so thank you for what you do and please don't ever stop doing it thanks so much I'll promise that yes. yay <laughs> We're going out to Jingle Bells this week. This is Straight No Chaser. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, how fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Hey, jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, how fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Hey, dashing through the session in a one-horse open sleigh. Or the fields we go, laughing all the way. Bells and bottles ring, making spirits bright. But fun it is to ride and sing a sleigh song tonight. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Hey, jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Jingle bells, 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 You've been listening to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world, brought to you by the Sustainable Lens Team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. We're broadcast on Otago Access Radio every weekday afternoon at 3 and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can find us on Facebook and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We had a contribution today from Tahu McKenzie. I'm Simon Man in Sawyer's Bay, Dunedin, with Mawira Karatai in Fakutani and in Gothenburg, Sweden, Birgit Penzenstadt. We hope you enjoyed the show. Jingle bells, jingle bells, ching, ching, jingle bells, 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 jingle This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.